and welcome to the Listen Louder podcast, a place to have open and honest conversations around mental health. I'm Megan Gilbride, the host, and each week I'll be discussing various mental health topics with my guests. For the best experience, try listening on the Entel app, where you'll be able to see and access links to exactly what we're talking about. Welcome back to another episode of Listen Louder. Today I am joined by the beautiful Gemma Styles, probably one of the most authentic and honest women on the internet. Gemma champions keeping it real, which is something I really admire in an otherwise saturated industry of shiny, happy people. She recently attended the Goalkeepers event in New York to discuss strategies to stop climate change, eradicate poverty and promote equality globally. It's safe to say she's using the platform she has to educate and do good. And I'm so pleased to have her as a guest on Listen Louder. Hello, Gemma. That was the, like, the nicest intro ever. <laughs> Thanks so much. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you so much for taking the time to come in and talk to me today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited for your new new podcast. Thank you. So I asked Gemma to just have a chat with her followers on Instagram about the kind of questions that they'd like to be answered. So we had a lot of questions, didn't we? There were quite a lot, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we've picked out a few just to answer and we'll get through as many of them as we can uh, so yes the first question that I have is can you self-diagnose a mental health problem um, I think it depends I think you uh, for a lot of things you probably can mm. so for example me personally I knew that I was suffering with the with not your average levels of anxiety before I was diagnosed with generalised anxiety disorder. Yeah, I think you can like definitely determine a shift, can't you, in how you're feeling yeah. from it being a normal amount of worry or ill feelings to it being on a more extreme level. Yeah, so I think with things like anxiety, I I definitely knew that I was having an issue. I didn't kind of have to be told about that. Yeah. But I do think with mental health generally you know it's not it wouldn't be the same thing to be wandering around and you sort of self-diagnosing yourself with all kinds of conditions I think there is definitely definitely a need for diagnosis for a lot of people I know it can be quite hard to get sometimes which is the difficult thing um but yeah, I think I would say it depends, which is probably, which is probably a really rubbish answer. <laughs> no, to the first I agree question, completely because I think we all know ourselves better than anybody else does. I think, and so you can, for me as well, I with anxiety. I think maybe not so much with depression actually, but with anxiety, I could definitely notice that there was something not right. Um, yeah, that's a good point. But like, like you say, I think it really does determine. Like, it depends what will determine like how well you are, I guess. Yeah, I so, think it's it depends on what what kind of thoughts you're having and what kind mm, of behaviour it is. I think because there'll be some things where you can't you can't really see what the wood for the trees and what's kind of going on. You need to talk to someone else and sort of sieve things out. Yeah, I think if you are feeling not good for any reason, it's always better to get a professional opinion anyway because they might be able to help you. But it is it can be really difficult to get the help. And I think when I first went to the doctors about feeling depressed I remember sitting in the waiting room and there were like no leaflets or any information in the doctors about depression or anxiety or any mental yeah. health problems and I was like this really doesn't feel like the place that I should be but it is 
Yeah, it's quite, it is hard though as well, because that's the thing, like actually taking that step and going to the doctors is one of the best things you can do, but it's also really hard. Mm -hmm. Like I don't think, I'm not sitting here and saying, you know, oh yeah, just pop down, you know, spill your soul to somebody you don't know instantly and pretending that that's a really easy thing to do. Cause it's not, it's hard and it's a hard sort of first step to take. I also think don't worry about going to the doctors and thinking, you know, oh, if they say I'm depressed at the moment and I might need some help with that, that you've then sort of got a scarlet letter on you and that's like, you're like, well, that's it then. I'm mentally ill forever. Like, I don't think it needs to be as scary as that either. It's kind of finding the middle ground, which is which is hard at the beginning. It's yeah. easy to easier to say that with years of hindsight. No, I completely agree. I think that build up to having the strength and courage to go to the doctors is not something to be sniffed at. Because no, it absolutely. does, it takes a lot. Yeah, it's really brave, I think. Yeah, it is. So this was one that we were quite keen to have a little bit of a chat about. The question was simply, what are the best antidepressant pills? Right, so when we were talking about this, I was mm. quite keen to chat about this one, mainly because, so background I should probably do a little <laughs> bit of. So my kind of mental health arena of personal experience mm. are depression and anxiety, which are similar to yourself, I know. I have been on antidepressants before, and I think I thought it was quite an interesting question because one, for quite a long time, I was quite scared of antidepressants and having to go on medication and I'm actually not on it at the moment and I've been on and off it and on different ones and blah, 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 blah. But How I thought did the question- How you find that though? Sorry to like interject, no, no. but so I initially went on medication for anxiety and the medication that I was on didn't work at all. And then a couple of, it was years later that I then actually went back to the doctors about depression and have been on medication for that since then. Mm -hmm. um, but I've only ever tried one medication and I've not come off it. So I'd be quite interested to know from your perspective, like you said you've been on and off and tried different ones. Yeah, so I, it's, it's not the same for everyone. I have personally found, and some people do find that your depression can be quite resistant to medication. So the first one that I went on just didn't seem to agree with me at all. Um, and the thing about starting antidepressants is, I'm sure you'll remember, the first couple of weeks are worse than not being on them at all, which is difficult and seems like the most annoying thing ever. The fact that, you know, you feel bad enough and sad enough and depressed enough that you are going on medication but then it's going to make you a little bit more depressed when you first go on it which is terrible and I wish that wasn't the case no, but it's... chemistry what can you do <laughs> um so the thing you kind of have to let it settle for a little while which can be quite difficult but so I did I gave it a good go with the first ones that I went on and after the kind of settling out period it was just still not right so I would be in what way did you just you just felt the same as you did or it changed because it's kind of hard to describe and honestly it's also quite hard to remember because it feels like mm. it was a good while ago this was probably five or six years ago um it's kind of like moments that you remember i find so there was one day where i couldn't decide what to have for lunch so i burst into tears and couldn't stop crying for about an hour 
because I couldn't decide what to have for lunch, which sounds ridiculous, but... No, not at all. It's just, it was one of those things, and that that wouldn't have necessarily been the kind of depressive behaviour that I was struggling with before I went on the medication. So right. I was kind of like, this this just doesn't feel right. And it's quite it's quite hard to describe, but I think you just know, and you know when it's not working for you, it's not working properly. So anyway, fast forward, that one wasn't working. I went <laughs> on another one, which was better. Um, and I've ended up kind of through, so I've had a really good doctor through this. Um, so I've managed to have kind of the same doctor. So I've had some consistency and she knows me, which is great because you kind of get to know and she can tell, tell kind of how I am at different points. Um, so I've been on a combination of different things in the past. I don't know, I've had antidepressants and then added in an anti-anxiety specific uh, medication at another point because the antidepressants had kind of lifted my mood a bit but then my anxiety had got a lot worse later on um, and I wasn't sleeping very well but that was kind of I'd, I'd added in that anti-anxiety for maybe a month or a couple of months and then I felt quite a lot better and then I didn't really need those ones anymore and I think when I look back on it, it's all been quite sort of complicated and up and down. Mm. But at the time, you just do what needs doing. Yeah. I think thinking about it too much and kind of, you know, worrying, well, oh, no, I'm on a different one as well now. And, oh, what about this? And, oh, how many pills am I going to have to take? And blah, 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 blah. It's, it's difficult and it can be quite hard to come to terms with taking medication. It was for me. But coming back to the question, why I thought that was important was a question like, what's the best antidepressant medication? It's just not gonna be the same for everyone. Yeah. So talking to your friend or a stranger or someone online, anything about, you know, well, what are you taking to make you feel better? It's quite dangerous ground, I think. Yeah, yeah. and it's, I think it's really good to talk about medication in general and kind of take away a bit of the stigma about taking it in the first I think, place yeah because I, I was the same I was not against it but I was very wary of it and mm. I didn't want it to change who I was as a person and I didn't want to feel dependent on it or reliant on it to be like well yeah um, but I think yeah it is it's, it is a bit still of a taboo subject and whilst mental health is being discussed more and more I do think medication isn't really. it's just it's a bit scary yeah. being honest like it's at the end of the day, it's you get to a point where you feel unwell enough that you need proper chemical help. Mm. And that is quite scary, I think, to yeah. come to terms with and think, you know, this is going to try and affect how my brain's working a little bit. And even though that's changed how your brain's working for the better, mm. it still feels quite scary. It's fine, I would say. You know, don't. I would encourage people to not be too scared. I don't think it's something to be taken overly lightly. Um, but yeah, I yeah. think just emphasizing that it's not going to be the same for everyone, and you know, just the same as we don't all look the same walking down the street, we don't all have exactly the same chemicals, we don't have the same brains, they're not yeah. all going to work in the same way. So, and that's why there are so many different options for medication as well that they're, they're tailored to suit different brains and different chemicals and different yeah, exactly. feelings. So, I think. 
it's it's always best if you're feeling that way to speak to a professional and they might not necessarily recommend medication yeah but i would say definitely not taking advice off anybody that isn't yeah yeah but, but also if you do feel that you need it and you need the help don't be put off if yeah the first match isn't the perfect one for you no, you that's can really say true. this isn't working well because i didn't even realize actually just listening to you talking that you could take this is going to sound really silly but i didn't realize you could take medication for depression and medication for anxiety i've never really thought about it to be honest but yeah i suppose because i know there are because when there I'm are first... different ones that are supposed to be you know a combination yeah. of the two but yeah you you definitely can because i have <laughs> yeah anyway that's the only way i know i'm <laughs> not an expert by any means but i've done it so i know you can <laughs> when i went to the doctors for my anxiety they gave me the same medication that i'm on for my depression now which works for my depression mm. but didn't work for my anxiety yeah and now my anxiety is worse than it has been yeah and i'm like oh okay i'll write that down and maybe go and speak to my doctor about that because i was just thinking I like this not was I know it doesn't feel it's not normal but like I I was having to manage it because I thought that do you know what I mean yeah yeah I do it's a funny one it's definitely not a kind of one fits all situation mm. but also yeah I I wouldn't have said like oh well you know let's just throw a bunch more pills in there it's not I wouldn't have thought you could add things in that's yeah. a good point actually I'm not yeah. really thought about no, that no because and it does I think as well it really does depend on how it's this sounds awful to say but how fortunate you are with your gp as well yeah absolutely. because i had to go through so many gps to get one that i actually trust and feel like they know me yeah like it's it's definitely a learning curve the whole thing i've had some horrible gp yeah. experiences i've i've been out of there i saw a locum gp once um where i used to live thankfully don't go to that surgery anymore just sent me out with a script for a different medication that I'd never taken before in tears and I was it was I mean it's silly really but I was so upset I walked out and threw it in the bin because she was so rude to me and so dismissive that I just thought I don't trust what you're saying I don't trust what you've just given me because oh, so you don't sad. care it's, it's really awful it's quite sad when you yeah because in like when you are feeling a really low point especially when it's around mental health yeah you kind of relying on a professional to be like this is what will help and this is what we're going to do and make yeah. you feel like you've done the right thing coming to them so yeah. I think even if you go and you've been brave enough to go and you speak to somebody and that it's not necessarily the experience you were hoping for mm -hmm. like not to give up because there yeah. will be someone that will get it yeah absolutely and you will be able to get the help that you kind of are entitled to yeah yeah it's it's a hard one because you shouldn't have to it shouldn't be that hard and you shouldn't have to shop around for a gp who will listen to you mm -hmm. unfortunately sometimes that's just the way that it is um i think if you've taken the first step and gone in the first place that's the hardest bit so if you have to go again it's rubbish you shouldn't have to it's not fair but do because yeah. when you find the right one and just somebody who will listen to you they can just make your life so much better yeah Agreed. I hope that answers the question. Like that, I knew that that would be quite a big subject because yeah. it's a lot to kind of dissect, really. But yes. Okay. So the next one is: At what age did you start prioritising mental health? I thought this was quite an interesting one because it definitely wouldn't be the same answer as when did you start kind of having problems. It. If yeah. you know what I mean. No, same. What would you say? Um, 
my late 20s. Mm. Like, I had a problem with anxiety specifically for the whole of my 20s, I think. Yeah. Maybe a little bit before that as well. But it wasn't until I'd had a breakup and I'd moved back home with my parents. I think I was 25, 20, yeah. nearly 26. And I was like, yeah, I'm not, okay. This, this is, this is, is yeah. not fine. This can't and be my life. Yeah, then I was like this, I need to actually like think about this and take stock of what I'm doing to myself and put myself first. But yeah, it was late 20s, so only a few years ago, really. Yeah, I think mine would probably be early early to mid 20s I'd probably say yeah so it definitely had taken a good few years and for me it took things getting really quite bad before Mm. I actually went to the doctors because I don't know I just didn't think anything was bad enough yeah I would need kind of professional assistance with it I totally agree because when I had depression or when I was first diagnosed with depression I didn't realize that I had it and I, it started like manifesting. I've said in, in one of my other episodes that I became quite unwell physically. Mm. And then I was like, oh, that's because I like made the connection of like, yeah. this is because you're not looking after yourself and because your brain isn't working how it should be. Yeah. And then I was like, probably should get some help then. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a good point actually about the physical stuff. I feel like mm. we had a question about that as well actually. I think we might have there's a, there's a lot of questions here. So <laughs> why this kind of feeds on to the next one um which is the question that we just said. Oh good. <laughs> oh perfect. There we go. Why should mental health care be taken as seriously as physical health care? So I I thought this was interesting because which is kind of why I was kind of like leading on to that anyway yeah. because I do I get quite physical symptoms of anxiety specifically um which is not necessarily to say you know that might not be the answer to the question why is you know why should mental health be taken as seriously as physical health but I don't think that you can necessarily completely split the two either um I think when your mental health is suffering you can definitely and I do definitely get the sort of physical side effects. Anxiety especially. Depression, I think, the kind of slow, sluggish, low energy, nasty swamp that you Mm. fall into. But I think anxiety in particular, I get really bad headaches, I get really bad chest pain, um, which can be quite scary. uh, oh god what else I get like pins and needles you get a bit gets like sweaty it's kind of it's definitely not a just all in your head kind of situation which is sometimes weirdly easier I find because when there's sort of something on the outside it's almost something a bit more tangible that you can you know when I start getting chest pains I know that I'm really bloody stressed like there's my anxiety's through the roof and I need to really do something about it. It's like a warning sign, isn't it? It's like your body being like, whoa, like stop, listen to what's happening because you're not feeling okay. Like I find myself like just grinning at you across the room (laughs) because it's not a particularly happy conversation that we're having, but everything that you're saying, I'm like, me too. Yeah. Like it, I, it's exactly the same for me. And it, 
all of my anxieties manifest in, in physical ways as well. Like I get a really bad tummy, I get a really tight chest and like feel yeah. like I can't breathe. I'll get really dizzy and I'll have to like, lo- the amount of times my boyfriend has come into the bathroom and I'm like on the floor because I need to have my face like on the cold floor and yeah. otherwise I'm gonna pass out. It's like, it's horrendous. It's bloody awful. It is, it really is. And it's not funny. It's just like, God, there's so many of us feeling like this and dealing with it. But yes, it is. They're they're one in the same, I think. They come hand in hand, really. And they do call it an invisible illness, don't they? But it's not. No. (laughs) No. I don't know. It's, It's such a funny conversation to have. But like you say, it's not funny at all. And it's not a happy thing. And it shouldn't be something that you look at each other and you kind of makes you smile. <laughs> but I think that's kind of the whole point of talking about it more because, you know, these aren't happy memories that we're sharing with each other. But it makes you smile because you're talking to someone who goes, oh my God, yeah, me too. I know exactly what you're talking about. Which just makes you feel better. And that's yeah. kind of the whole point. Like that's why I think even, you know, having conversations like this and yeah. doing podcasts and talking about all these things that we need to talk about just knowing that you're not the only person who's having the same thing and it is real and there are other people who know it's real and they know how it can affect you yeah it's good makes you feel better it is good it is good oh okay the next question was have you experienced physical pain from panic and anxiety attacks it's like we're we just can foresee what people are going to (laughs) ask honestly yes we all want to know the same thing (laughs) yeah i definitely have i've Um, only ever had one panic attack I'd say I've had I kind of thought I'd maybe had panic attacks until I had a panic attack Mm -hmm. I've definitely had anxiety attacks and have have continued to have since um not so frequently at the moment thank goodness that's good which is good yeah. yeah um but yeah actual for people who actually suffer from panic attacks like the one that I had on a regular basis I don't know how bravo that you carry on with it because it took me a good week to recover I'd say and I don't don't know that I've necessarily ever been the same again it's not not a nice experience at all so I've got a lot of a lot of sympathy for people who have panic attacks and panic disorders definitely the next question I am quite interested to know what you think because it's it could be seen as quite blasé but does cutting down caffeine help you it does for me, yeah. Mm. I can't drink coffee anymore. I can't either. Or I, I, sh- I shouldn't. <laughs> I, I can, obviously. I can if I want to. And I still drink tea. Seems to be okay. Not quite so much caffeine. But coffee is a bad one for me. It's just going to make me feel worse. Guaranteed. And it's happened a couple of times where... So when, when I actually stopped fully was I'd got I'd gone to the airport really early in the morning with my boyfriend we were going on holiday and had a coffee at the airport because it was early and I was tired and by the time it had kicked in and I got on the plane I was just really I'm not really a nervous flyer but everything was really stressing me out and really I was scared of the plane I was scared of something going wrong with the plane you know it just everything was my mind was going over time my boyfriend just turned to me he was like you shouldn't be drinking coffee anymore and I kind of hadn't really even made the connection and you just kind of think oh I'm tired of coffee you know it's just going to bring me up to a normal level but actually it just makes me feel terrible and I've done it since when you know I'll have given it up for months and then 
I think it was when I was away and I was jet lagged, but I was working. So I was really tired and I thought I can't I, I can't be this, you know, sleepy. I need to be working properly and doing what I'm doing. So I was like, I'll just have a coffee. One won't hurt. Mistake. <laughs> it was such a mistake. So much better to be a bit sleepy for me than be over caffeinated and shaky and feel sick and just be horribly anxious. Yeah. Mm. So for me, getting rid of the coffee specifically, not all caffeine, but yeah, coffee is a monster for me. Mm. I don't, I've actually never drank coffee. Don't like, start. I know, Just I don't, don't. I can't. <laughs> it's weird because I love coffee cake. Coffee cake's like my favourite cake, but I can't drink a cup of coffee. I don't really like the taste, which is bizarre. I think it's an acquired taste, though. Do and you I think? Was saying, yeah, I think if you've got this one and not drank it, I would just not no, bother. No, but I, if I have ever tried to have even just a latte, I get the shakes and I'm like, no, this does not yeah. feel even a little bit human <laughs> to yeah. me. I think especially if you're not used to it, because I think it does affect me a little bit more. Like I've never been a fizzy drinks person either, which I know oh, really? is another big caffeine thing. I just didn't like them when I was little, so now I'm not in the habit of it. I don't, you know... I have a gin and tonic every now and then, but yeah. I'm not, you know, drinking Coke or Pepsi or whatever people drink. I don't even know, mm. I just don't drink <laughs> it. <laughs> um, so I feel like my tolerance for caffeine is fairly low anyway. Yeah, same. Yeah, definitely. So yes, it, it does help not having it, I think. So that this these two questions, I think, kind of go into the same thing. First one is, regarding mental health, are there affordable ways to improve it? And is there online counselling available? And then the second one is, can I deal with my problems without getting professional help? Okay, so, two-parter. I think dealing with your problems without professional help, I'll start there, because that would be what I did I suppose and probably what you did for quite a few years until you go and speak to a doctor Um, I'm not going to sit here and say no you absolutely can't deal with it yourself I couldn't and it was kind of one of those things where it gets quite bad and then you know it gets a bit better and you can kind of cope a little bit more again and you tick on and tick on and then it gets bad again And then it gets a little bit better and then it gets really bad and it just kind of, you go in the cycle and I couldn't have done it on my own in the end. I think it's not impossible and I'm not gonna sit here and say, you know, I'm sure there are people out there who haven't, you know, been on medication or haven't seen a therapist and, you know, have made improvements through their own self-care and their own kind of learnings on themselves and how they work I needed the help honestly I'm not ashamed to say that at all same completely the same for me I think and it does it's again a lot of these questions I think is it's down to the individual completely um have you read any of Matt Haig's books I've read oh what was I read what was it called um, uh, notes on a nervous planet oh uh, okay yeah I don't actually think I finished that yet it's on my kindle somewhere which I he said something really interesting about how um because I don't think he ended up taking medication to manage how he felt mm-hmm. um and and he says some really interesting things about how like just his lifestyle changes like and eating habits and all those kind of things really changed his mental health so I think there are definitely things you can do to help yourself yeah but absolutely. it's there's absolutely no shame in saying I can't help myself I can't do it no, I think that's a frustrating 
thing about talking about mental health publicly as well and especially on social media there are a lot of people who will you know come to you with ways that you can help yourself yeah which aren't you know aren't nonsense but diet and exercise aren't gonna no magic away your depression you know it's I saw who was it I saw a doctor talking about this and was sort of emphatically shaking my head at a screen um <laughs> Because there's so many people who say, you know, exercise is the way to cure your depression. When you are horribly depressed and can't really bring yourself to get out of bed, get in the shower, dragging yourself out for a jog is a gargantuan effort. Like, that's, it's... (laughs) I'm laughing because it's so true. Because, like, when I was really badly depressed, I couldn't brush my teeth. Like, that was a like a good day for me yeah if I could get up and I could brush my teeth yeah and like not be completely grim yeah like absolutely being the thought of going for a run would like just, you're just it's well I wouldn't be really able when to you're think in that about hole. that no I can't like people who can yeah I mean, I'm not much of a runner in any case no, to be honest with you but people who actually can amazing uh there's absolutely no way that that would have done it for me but I saw this doctor talking about it and the thing about exercises that they've now found, apparently, according to a doctor, I'm not the one who's done the research. (laughs) um, People who aren't depressed, then regular exercise can be really good for preventing depression. Right. When you're already depressed, exercise isn't going to magic it away for you that's that's not what the science says oh my says. god we need to like write that down and put it on a banner somewhere yes. big where everybody can see it because yeah. that's yes yes yeah <laughs> so on so saying to somebody who's really badly depressed like oh well you know why don't you get getting out of the house and going to do things great that mm-hmm. might help telling someone who feels that terrible that if they could just get on a rowing machine a few times a week it will fix their lives is I think patronising, mm. <laughs> and I found really spectacularly unhelpful to be told over and over again. Honestly, yeah, I find it quite frustrating. You no. can probably <laughs> it just that's it's not. No, but I completely agree with you. It is like you, there are definitely ways you can help yourself, and it is down to the individual. But you can't. There isn't a rule book. No, that says this is going to fix you. No, like, adding in more things that are you looking after yourself. Great those are good things to do they can be tiny tiny things making sure you've brushed your teeth for example can sometimes feel like that's if that's all you achieve in the day you've won the day Mm. and that's like it's quite it's so hard for people to understand if they just don't understand because they haven't been there and I wouldn't wish it on anyone if you don't understand then you don't understand but listen when we tell you that's what it's like sometimes yeah it seemed like even when you think about it now I'm like you know how how's the only thing you can do in the day sometimes I'm setting myself the smallest tasks mm. like you know I emptied the dishwasher today yeah. I've won the day no That's but me. that I've is done something that actually really helped me mm. being able to like say Megan if you can if you can do this today yeah that's that's the task for the day and if you've done it well done yeah because it does make you feel a bit a bit better it about, does yeah sometimes you it just, just it's baby steps yeah it's always, um, baby it's steps always baby aren't going to be I a think. run. Yeah, no, exactly. Yes, <laughs> that's very true. Um, I don't actually know if there is online counselling available. Do you know? There, I know that like there is through There's the NHS, lines, isn't there? There is are. There? Yeah, you, oh, you okay. can. I think it depends where you live. Okay. Um, 
my borough of London at the moment, I know when I've gone through their referral services, one of their options was online counselling. So I know that it can be an option. I also know that there are online counselling services aside from the NHS or... Yeah. I don't really understand how the American medical system works, but mm-hmm. I know that outside you you can kind of self-refer to online services. Yeah. Aside from that, there are, obviously, there are heaps in the UK, specifically, yeah. loads of helplines which have trained people in mental health that you can speak to 24-7. There are. There's a service that launched in the UK quite recently called Shout, which is a text crisis line. Oh, okay. Um, which is amazing. Mm. It's under the banner of the Heads Together, which is the oh, yeah. um, mental health initiative from the royals um but you can basically text them and their number is 85258 and it's free um and you get to speak to trained counselors mm. about whatever you're going through really yeah. and it's the equivalent of that i think it's called crisis text line in the us and we've launched it here now it's called shout um and I know that's not the same as, you know, seeing a therapist on a regular basis, but if you're... It's a starting point, yeah, though. Yeah, if you're and there are heaps, you need to talk to someone. There are lots of, like, different helplines like that. I think it's really good to have a texting service so you don't have to speak I think texting is amazing. Yeah, I, I mean, if anybody rings me that knows me, like, it puts the fear of God into me because I'm like, something awful's happened because yeah. nobody <laughs> ever rings me because I hate speaking on the phone. But... We'll link um, everything in the Entel app as well for all of the different services that people can have a look at and see if any of those might be helpful. I think text is a great option, to be honest, because I know, like, even when I've had to... I've had to speak to, sort of, do telephone referrals, for example, when you're talking to doctors and medical people, and they need to know what's wrong with you before they send you on somewhere. I just cry. I find it really hard, and it's quite hard, you know to get any words out so just being able to text someone and you know it doesn't necessarily you don't have to be suicidal it's not like a suicide hotline it's just it's a kind of a crisis and you get to determine what your own crisis is if you're having a really really god-awful rubbish day and you know that you're really struggling and you just don't feel good and you just need to talk to someone just being able to text someone I think is great yeah I completely agree I think it's a much needed yeah, to outlet for people. Yeah. Okay, so next question. Is the stress slash pressure slash onset of depression from university worth it in the end if it's consuming you? Now, I didn't actually go to university, so I would really love to know what you think about it, Gemma. I first got really badly depressed when I was at uni. So That's interesting. Yeah, kind of speaks to me quite a lot, I think. Um saying is it worth it it obviously depends on how it's affecting you but no I wouldn't say it's not the kind of thing where I'm going to say yeah no probably not if it's stressing you out drop out (laughs) yeah because that's not the same but so my first course at uni I did a year and a half of it and then was really badly depressed kind of over Christmas and it had got worse and worse, but when I'd gone home over the holidays, it was like my mum was able to see how bad it was and someone could actually kind of notice a lot more. And I dropped out of my course and it was the best decision for me at the time. 
being stressed about uni or, you know, being depressed when you're there, I'd say go and speak to your mental health services or your kind of student support services at uni because they have to have services there for you. I'm going to go ahead and assume that they have them because... They should. They should. I think... I'm pretty sure they have to. Um, So whether it's going to the doctor and then they can kind of tell you what you need to do or whether you go to your student support or whether you go to your course leaders or your tutor or whoever you kind of have as your call point, you'll you'll know if you're in that position. Um, Go and speak to them or if you can't go and speak to them, send them an email um, and just get that conversation started because there are things that you can do, there are things that they can do. You don't have to just suffer along. It's not, for me, the right decision was not doing that particular course anymore and I changed and did a different one. That was the right decision for me. But it's not necessarily a case of, you know, if you've got really depressed at uni and you can't cope, you either have to be horrendously miserable and make your depression worse or you have to drop out. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I agree. It doesn't have to be that. Whether you need a break. So the first thing that I did was kind of you pause my degree well, yeah. yeah I just said I said I was going to take a semester out basically um which in the end I didn't end up going back to that course but it gave me the space and the time mm. and took away the pressure of oh my god I've got exams in a month and am I going to be doing this or you know I can't revise I'm crying all the time like it just takes away a bit of that pressure and I think there are things there to help you if you want your course and you want to finish it and you like what you're doing it's just that at the moment you can't cope don't feel like you've got no options because you do have options no I think that's really good because I know um quite a few people who one of my best friends did the same thing as you Mm. and then I know people who have deferred like multiple times to try and work out what's going to be best for them yeah in the university situation like I completely agree that it shouldn't be an either or situation yeah and that there should be hopefully yeah that help available yeah if you decide it's going to be the best thing for you then there's nothing wrong with that either no no definitely not no your life is a long time hopefully Um, (laughs) even though it seems like you know your whole life's been building up to uni when you get there you're only young still Mm. and you know there's a lot of your life left you don't need to spend all this time doing something you don't want to do yeah there's time for your plans to change which I wish someone had told me more well, when yeah. I was younger. And also, you're so young when you make the decision about what to study and yeah. what you're going to, in adverted commas, do forever. Yeah. Like, it's such a lot of pressure. And you also, like, there isn't, I don't think, as much pressure maybe now to have to go to uni. Like, Yeah, I don't think there is at the I, Well, I hope there isn't. Yeah. Because I, I didn't go to uni, and I'm happy and do what I love and things. I think if you're going to uni and you're in uni and it's it's difficult exactly what you said like explore those avenues and see what's best for you but yeah. it's not i don't think it's the be all and end all for everyone yeah exactly you know? yeah oh okay this i i don't know how i would answer this one but how do you talk about it to your parents so i was thinking about this when i saw the question um I think I'm quite good at talking to my mum about mental health now. Um, We're both quite open with each other, but it was quite a hard thing to start doing. And I feel like for me, 
I, I'm very lucky. My mum is great and she's very supportive. And it was more that I was with her in her house right. and she you could, could see then firsthand. see yeah. what, what was happening. Um, I think talking to your parents, I would firstly just remember that they are human and they might not instantly understand what you're talking about they might not know the right thing to say straight away. Um, which can be hard because, you know, for a lot of people when you feel rotten, you just want, you know, your parents, are the, you know, they, they made you. Um, you want them to just understand instantly. They might not. Um, maybe your parents aren't gonna be the people who are gonna be your biggest support system. You don't know. I think it would depend on your situation to be honest if you know that you're gonna feel better talking to your parents and you want them to know what's going on with you I think that's a perfect place to start mm. how you talk to them I think if I would have been you know 16 and trying to tell my mum I don't think I even would have been able to actually tell her I think I would have been sending her the links to some kind of article that explained how I was feeling or I would have written her a letter or an email or something and written it down because I think it's quite a hard conversation to have anyway um, but also I find it quite especially when I'm actually feeling down I find it really hard to talk about mental health without just crying which sounds ridiculous because I'm sat here recording a podcast about mental health and talking about it for god knows how long but I wouldn't be able to do this when I was feeling really down, for example. So yeah. I think it's not, I think tell someone is always good advice, but how you tell them is kind of up to you. It doesn't have to be that you sit them down for a formal conversation and tell them everything you've been thinking. If you can find a different way or, you know, find something that somebody else has said, which makes sense to you. And if you send them and say, I feel like this too, you know, just to kind of, if you can't quite articulate what you want to say, it's okay to use other people's words or, you know, give them a leaflet or write them a note or something and just say like, I'd really like to talk to you about something. I'm not, I'm not feeling very good and da da da. If you can kind of prepare for the conversation, prepare them for the conversation. Hope that I think that would have been how I would have handled it. Yeah, I think even at 30 years old, I still really struggle to speaking to people I love and care about about it when I don't feel good same as you yeah. like I can't I can't do it like I just get I don't know I just kind of like go into myself and I'm like yeah like I just don't I yeah, don't want to like I really don't want to and so I think literally all of the things that you said are like bang on because it doesn't have to be like a sit down conversation intervention kind of thing yeah. where you're like you need to take me really seriously because I'm not well and all of that. Like, I think as long as you can... Yeah. Mother, here is a list of my symptoms. Yeah. <laughs> take me seriously. <laughs> Make them aware of how you're feeling somehow mm -hmm. so they can give you the support that you need if you want it and if they're able to. Like, yeah. I think, yeah. Uh, it's it's. I don't think if, if you're 16 or if you're 40, yeah. there isn't, I don't think, a real in-between of, like, getting your shit together really and being able to say or articulate things like feelings are really hard to navigate yeah. and it I just don't I for me I don't think that's ever got easier to be able to do that and I find it much easier writing things down 
Yeah. For me personally. Yeah, I would be the same. Yeah. I think the passage of time is a wonderful thing sometimes. Mm. Um, it's a bit more normal now for in my family to actually be able to talk about how you're feeling. But, you know, you have to start somewhere. And yeah. that's the hardest thing. And yeah. it often is starting with your parents, which, you know, just start. Just start is what <laughs> yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. It gets easier. Okay, this is a question that I was quite interested to ask you because I'm just interested to know, basically. Go on. <laughs> um, obviously, you have quite a large following, which is a bit of an understatement, really. You have a lot of people following you on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just and stalking me around. <laughs> How does that or does that impact your mental health at all and how would you say you deal with that if it does um I think it definitely can do um probably that's an understatement to be honest yeah yes absolutely it can have an impact um I tend to find that I disappear from the internet and Instagram and all those things when I don't feel very good because I don't want to talk to anyone and that includes people I don't know which is not... Which makes a lot of sense, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's it's not the easiest because it's obviously part of my job, so mm. it can be quite difficult to do that. I, I think social media is a real difficult one to talk about in this sense because you can also find a lot of help on it um, and that sort of sense of community and it is one of those places you can find people to talk to who are going through the same thing. That might not be what you kind of need at that immediate moment Yeah, though. I think... Like I, when you're feeling better, I guess it's the same with like talking to people that you know. Yeah. When you're feeling in a place where you can articulate yourself and stuff, come online and let's have a conversation. Yeah. And, like we're doing today. But maybe when you're in the thick of it, that's not so helpful. I think it's a funny one because there, there are a lot of people who you know you know full well that they're not feeling amazing but they're posting on social media like they're feeling amazing and everything's mm. great and blah, 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 which is not my place to judge to be honest you know if that's how you cope with it putting on your front and you deal with your stuff it's not how I can do things I I'm a bad liar essentially <laughs> whether in person or on the internet so I find it very hard to you know fake a smile when there isn't one um I think you just have to try and do what's best for you. I know I'm trying to get out of the habit of feeling the pressure to post things. Mm. If I don't have the inclination and I don't want to, then I don't, essentially. Um, and I'm trying to just get into the habit of, you know, being, if I, you know, if I want to post something, then I'll post something. If I want to talk to people, then I will. Yeah. And if I don't, then I don't, Yeah. which is, I don't know if that's the best way to deal with it, but well, that's I all I can do, really. Yeah, I think it's, for me, as a internet user, mm -hmm. I think it's like the people I enjoy following and interacting with are people that are genuine yeah. and authentic to who they are. And so if that means that you're not posting every day at 6pm or whatever, which is a, the kind of pressure I put on myself a lot of the time, actually, yeah. to be like, I should be in this routine. But actually, if that's not what you want to do and that's not what making is making you feel good, then don't do it. And I would I appreciate that more from you than I would if you were like, I'm a shiny, happy person all of the time. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's one of the things that makes me feel better and make me feel like... I'm being myself. Mm. If I'm online and talking to people, it's because I want to be talking to them and I want to be talking to you, not because I feel like I have to. 
because I've definitely been in that place with social media and it's just it's, it's just a bit crap really it doesn't think, yeah it makes you really fall out of love with doing any of it so I think yeah trying to trying to do it authentically yeah hashtag um, <laughs> it's just the only way I know how really because it can be quite hard when you know that there are a lot of people listening to what you say yeah it's great as well because you know then when you've got something that you're passionate about and you feel like you've got something to say and you want people to hear it it's great knowing that people will hear it but there's definitely a pressure of people are going to hear it yeah. <laughs> on, the, on the other side it's a double-edged sword I think it's really brave that you can take the initiative to be like I'm going to do what makes me feel good not what makes other people feel good yeah especially when you have that amount of people that yeah are listening I think I mean yeah there's definitely and people can say publicly and I know I get messages all the time about oh you know why are you not posting why are other people not posting and it's like because they've said it helps their mental health to not be on social media so you just have to kind of respect that and let people do what they're going to do yeah well I think that that's a really good point for us to finish on and I have one more question for you um is that on the days where you are really struggling what are your top tips for dealing with a bad mental health day bad mental health days so I'd say it depends what kind of bad I'm feeling so if I'm really anxious I find that it's a lot of I get a lot of energy on the inside and there's a lot going on but I kind of just have to really slow myself down so I know for some people and on some days where I'd feel lower you know kind of going out for a walk and getting yourself moving is the best thing to do for me when I feel really anxious I have to just slow down and take time to you know slow my body down think about my breathing breathe out not in all the time so you're not holding your breath and sort of subconsciously making yourself feel more tense um and then just do something that distracts myself really I'm a big user of mobile games I have to say (laughs) just those silly little games where you have to shoot a bubble at something or match the colors of something because it requires enough of your attention to distract you from what you're doing but it's also not overly stimulating it's not you know exciting running around so you can be calming down just distracting from what you're doing that's the main thing that I do to be honest just distract from what I'm doing and then try and just move myself into a calmer space yay that's really good like I had I've actually never thought of doing something as simple as that I was literally just playing a game on my phone I wish I had something like more complicated no no because that's what it is it is simplifying things and I'm the same I have to really slow down but like something as simple as doing something just to distract your brain like in that way is really helpful tv or a game or just something i would say find something where it holds your attention but Mm. doesn't take a lot of effort yeah (laughs) oh thank you so much Gemma. i really appreciate it i could speak to you forever about all of this stuff but i think we've covered most of the things has to be a limit (laughs) (laughs) thank you thank you Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate, review and subscribe. And in the meantime, you can find me on Instagram at listen.louder. I'd love to chat with you.